Hey, Life Church Livonia, welcome to Tell Me More. On this podcast, we take a deeper dive into the scriptures or themes um, that we either talked about in the weekend or that we're talking about together as a church uh, to deepen our discipleship. We just recognize that discipleship is not an event, it's not a sermon, it's not um, something that happens in just the mountaintop experiences of life. It's all the in-between. It's the journey together. And so we're going deeper today. I have with me Alex Rahill Sr. And um, we're going to be diving into um, Jesus's thoughts on righteousness and how that fleshes itself out in the way that we relate with other people. And so um, my first question today on Tell Me More is, uh, you had mentioned on Sunday in your sermon, Jesus, uh, the sermon was on Jesus and the Bible and Jesus's perspective on the Bible. But there's this line in the last verse, verse 20 from Sunday, it says, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, I want to start there. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, uh, well, it's that's a good question. <laughs> then we could uh, we could do a whole book on that verse, and probably someone has. But um, <clears throat> let me just read that. For I tell you, unless your righteousness, that word is um, actually a, a, a Greek word that has a lot of history to it. So Aristotle, all the philosophers actually focused on this word for righteousness, dikaiosune. It's, um, and it's actually, it's a technical term for uh, what, um, what about a person truly makes them good? What does true inner goodness look like? And that is, and the Jews had a word for it. And when it got translated, these two words have become interchangeable. So the Septuagint uses the Jewish word, which is sadiq. And a Sadiq was the righteous one, a person, and not, not like a Pharisee, like they were, people viewed them as people who had true inner goodness. And because they had true inner goodness, their life overflowed with good things, or they, they were uh, the good life. And, and, um, and the reason I, I like this word, dikaiosune, and uh, it's different from another word that's used in the Bible called erete which is the word we transfer or translate as virtue. And that's in first Peter, I mean, second Peter and Philippians four, eight and uh, the virtuous person. Uh, but the reason um, I, th- and they're both really important, <clears throat> uh, but the dikaiosune that the inferred in that was this person who had a radical dependence on God and God was their righteousness and they were uh, surrendered to uh the almighty. And because of that, uh, that their righteousness flowed out of that idea of relationship. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, for I tell you, unless your dikaiosune, your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom. And Sunday, I I just said, everybody in the room went, there's like no way because only two people are going to get in heaven according to a saying at their time. One will be a Pharisee and the other will be a scribe or teacher of the law. And, um, and there's a reason for that. And that's really that the sermon Jesus is focusing on. um, And we'll miss this is if you go back to what does it look like to be a person who's a kingdom person? Blessed are the poor in spirit. So verse three actually hits on that for theirs is the kingdom of God. Those people who are spiritually destitute and totally throw themselves on um, what it means to follow Christ and be totally surrendered to him and depending on him for salvation are the people who are going to be blessed. Yeah. Because that righteousness doesn't come from an external behavior or action. It comes from a transformed heart. And that's the whole point of what Jesus is going after. All of this chapter five is really about that idea. And, you know, and it's got deep, deep implications for the the world today. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, um, I think that there has been a lot of attack on Christian thought, culture, uh, worldview in America over the last maybe five years. And a lot of that, I think we have earned ourselves through a righteousness that is um, 
highly circumstantial and behavioral. And, uh, you know, Jesus is very much attacking that here. And he goes on to, uh, with this definition of inner goodness that is, in essence, not just a behavior that comes from God, he redefines uh, a number of the Ten Commandments with that. And so I would like to jump into, uh, and he talks about murder, which is one of the Ten Commandments, adultery, which is one of the Ten Commandments, um, divorce, which is not in one of the Ten Commandments, but it is connected to the adultery piece, um, oaths, which is uh, part of the not having false testimony, um, is that my yes is yes, my no is no, I'm not lying. Um, and then uh, he, he goes on to talk about enemies. And we're not going to get into all those today. Um, some of those are other sermons that you can catch uh, at church with us uh, when we go through our sermons. But are there any other things you'd like to hit on, help us understand about this um, word for righteousness before we jump into how Jesus applies it here? Um, yeah, his... Uh, <clears throat> So you're going to see a couple of touches here that, um, and this is, so the mistake we make is we think of the Sermon on the Mount as like Jesus said all these great things, like, and like, and we think of them like, um, well, it used to be called a charis, which was strings of pearls. So let's think Jesus said this pearl here, this pearl here, this pearl here. And an editor came and collected all those pearls and put a string through them and held them together, but they're actually all independent units. That's just not right. Um, those, they are all pearls, but they're absolutely connected. There's a logical flow yeah. to the whole sermon that if we don't see it, um, we miss out on the, the, um, the deep truths and the relevance for our life. Mm -hmm. So you're going to see Jesus say throughout the sermon, there's going to be three, four illustrations, and they all come back to this Takayo Sune, okay? Mm -hmm. So first one is, um, hey, how are you going to, blessed are the poor in spirit. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And to understand repentance is to go, I'm going to turn toward God. I'm totally throwing myself on God. And I become, uh, that righteousness is born within me. So Jesus will say in John 3, no one can even see the kingdom unless they're born from above or born mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the lights, the fuse evangelicalism's got that right, but they divorced the fact that Jesus actually expects us to live in accordance with this. And if right. this heart is truly right, we are going to want to live because right. one of the questions, so it starts there. Jesus hits on, unless your righteousness surpasses to Kaiosune, then he's going to end this chapter because here's the point. The law can keep us from maybe doing hurtful things. It can We can work towards some of right. the absence of bad behavior, but right. it can't change your heart because love, so that's the whole point of the law is the law points us toward how to live together communally in a way that um, respects one another. And it's But it can only go so deep. The law can only remove the um, bad behavior, it cannot produce a good soul. Right. So at the end of five, this is why it progresses and you're like, oh my gosh. And then, so if we get to the love your enemies and I won't, I won't, there's so much there, I won't worry about it. But it says, Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who per persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven. So Jesus is saying, this is the father heart. Love, the love of God is what should animate and invigorate everything we do. And then he kind of puts a, like a boom, an exclamation point on the end where he goes, be perfect. Therefore, as your father in right. heaven is perfect. Right. Oh, so if I have the kingdom heart. This is all about the kingdom heart, not the kingdom uh, hands. So it's my transformation starts here and works its way out here. We always think of the hands and we don't look at the heart. And so then he's going to say later on, you know a tree by its what? Fruit. Fruit. So this is the whole point. You you can try to you can be you can try to make an apple tree a pear tree. If you you know and you can think well if I just tape pears on the end of the branches, <laughs> this tree will be different. And that's how we approach our life. And that's actually how we see Jesus approaching life 
And that's why we think it's not relevant. Jesus is actually saying the exact opposite thing. He goes, you, the only way to make that tree a different tree is all the way at the root. And right. I'm having trouble. Oh, there goes Siri. Siri wants to know the answer to that question too. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so real righteousness is rooted in Jesus and loving God and loving people. And that's the only way you can truly get rid of anger, contempt, and murder. Yeah. That's the only way you can really get rid of adultery and lust and objectification. That's really the only way you can get rid of greed and hoarding uh, rather than rather than sharing. That's the only way you can get rid of truth uh, uh, lying instead of truth telling, because, you know, we're trying we're trying to solve those. And then Jesus says this and he goes, <clears throat> the Dikaiosune, that person is going to have a life that's uh, there's two people who build houses. They look exactly the same. But he says one is built on. Uh, a rock, solid rock foundation, and the other's built on sand. And that has to do with what are we building our life on? Is it Jesus and his teachings? We don't divorce Jesus from his teachings. Mm-hmm. Or is it built on whatever this world says? And when the storms come uh, and hit your life, the good life is going to withstand all the things that the world can throw against us. So that the Dikaio Sune is this good person that, every, that throughout... Um, Western civilization and thought uh, has been a topic of conversations. Aristotle, Plato, up until 200 years ago, mm-hmm. this uh, we we did not divorce philosophy, the good life, faith. Um, we didn't divorce those things, but now suddenly we talk about virtue ethics and not mm-hmm. being a good person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and we are trying to uh, separate those those two things out. Yeah. Right. So and this is a, this else, is a human question, right? This is the human question is what does it mean to be good? And right now, part of the um, big political dispute in our country is one side is saying goodness comes from letting people basically do what they want and affirming how they feel. Period. Yep. And then the other side is saying goodness inherently comes from the freedom to do what I want as well, um, but total personal responsibility <laughs> in this, um, in ways that are are, are uh, helpful to people who have, but not as helpful to people who don't. And um, we're we're searching in our culture right now for this question of what does it mean to be a good person and how do I do that? And I think what we're trying to point out here in the Sermon on the Mount is that. Everything else Jesus says from this point on is nestled in this idea of um, what does it mean to be truly good? And it's nestled this in, the, in this assumption of goodness comes from God and creates human flourishing. Something that doesn't create human flourishing and destroys it is not good. And yeah. I think that, you know, we would mostly agree with that um as long as in america at least it doesn't impinge on freedom because we're willing to do a lot for freedom freedom of choice over our bodies in many different ways and freedom over our time etc etc so kate's preaching this coming weekend on uh, murder so we're not gonna stick there too long but is there anything you would like to talk about in relationship to that um before we move on to adultery and divorce um yeah, let, let, let me just say this one other piece here that um, this is, I think, really important. So you just shared it. You said God knows God created us and he has a blueprint for human flourishing. Right. One of the things we often don't associate Jesus with is genius. <laughs> if I say, you know, who's the smartest person, you know, or who are the geniuses who are and you, you're going to pr- name you could name 20 people. I bet Jesus will not come up on most people's list right right and when we think of jesus as a religious leader or a good person we've separated goodness and intelligence yeah and and that's a really important note we think of like we think mother Teresa is good but we don't think she's brilliant <laughs> and you know again the way we judge brilliance but here's the thing is jesus was the smartest person who ever lived and totally good yeah. And we have to understand that he is a genius 
who knows exactly what life is all about and how best to live it. Because mm. we, when we think of a genius, we think they're smart. They know how things work. Right. If we think Jesus right. is just a religious pundit, we are not going to take him seriously. Right. You'll go read, oh, hey, what's the best practices for self-improvement from, uh, you know, uh, I can name any n- a number of people. And you go, oh, yeah, I'm going to read that person's book, but I'm not going to read the Sermon on the Mount. Right. And we make a big mistake when we divorce Jesus from his status as the smartest, wisest person who ever lived. And he was good. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really important to think about. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus starts, and I, I think I, I want to pu- yeah. push on that real quick. I think that's so important. Intelligence that is does not produce um, human flourishing is, um, I think, more pride than intelligent. Good. Yes, you may, you may be able to think about how something works, but you don't know how to use it. And be, knowledge you don't know how to use is a form of stupidity, not a form of intelligence. And right. um, that knowledge we use to hurt ourselves, we say later was stupid. Right. So right. we may be able to um, figure out how to make fossil fuel, you know, make cars. But now that we realize, oh, that's hurting the planet, we realize there's a foolishness in this um, that is not actually intelligent. Even though we were smart enough to make all these different machines yep. that run on this, there is a lack of intelligence because it only hurts us in the end. And, uh, you know, we do the same thing financially that I may be able to figure out how to make a lot of money. But if I don't know how to build wealth that I get to pass on to the next generation, um, I was actually foolish, not intelligent. And that this is part of well, I'm pushing on this because it's one of the underlying premises of Scripture and of the Sermon on the Mount that goodness and, uh, you know, we'll use the word wisdom because it's intelligence, you know, how to apply. Yep produce um, human communities that flourish and uh, knowledge that destroys those things is actually foolishness, not intelligence. Um, And so with that being said with murder, uh, Jesus's thing on murder, he's expanding and expounding on one of the 10 commandments here. And Kate is going to preach on that on Sunday. Uh, But is there anything you want to mention about that before? Uh, yeah, yeah, because again, it's progressive. So right, one of right. the things is that Jesus is going to say in in that passage, uh, and again, this is could be weeks of subject here, because he's actually going to po- have make three sub points when he gets down to the heart. So he says murder, but then he's going to talk about uh, anger, condemnation, and you fool. Okay, and there's actually there are gradations of disrespect so if we think about anger what's anger anger is almost always a response to you violated my will Mm -hmm. and it often is a result of a wounded ego yeah so uh you violated my it's not always wrong in fact anger is not wrong in its pure form but to hold the anger actually then is it is a uh, disease right Um, and that's what case so sunday yeah yeah but um uh so anger is this kind of, uh, let's think feeling because you, you violated my will. So you cut me off in traffic and right, uh, right, right, right. And so I'm right. angry. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> and you shouldn't have cut me off. Uh, and that's okay. You can, you can process that contempt is uh, a disdain for someone that um, is anger, um, fermented anger over time can yeah. create a disdain or contempt for someone where i i view you in a category so anger is you're you're an idiot you're, i'm mad at you but contempt is i've put you in a category where i consistently view you with disrespect and disdain and then you fool is i'm even actually willing to work i'm actually i'm willing to act out on this mm-hmm. so if we think about, you know, you can think about and, racism and, that way. And I've labeled you as stupid. And right? that's like where you're con- beneath me now. Exactly. So anger yeah. is the feeling, contempt, and we won't get into the other one, but uh, we, Kate can do that. But let's just go anger and contempt. Anger is I'm feeling it. Contempt is I've labeled you. And because mm-hmm. I've labeled you, I've objectified you. 
right. and I've made you less than me as a category. Right. So we have words for people that we use all the time um, that get used in our society all the time uh, that are contemptuous. Right. You're a nerd. I, we can start with the fairly benign. Yeah, well, yeah, they're yeah. not benign. Yeah, you're yeah. a jock or you're a, you know, whatever, knuckle right. dragger, or you're a mouth reader <laughs> or, you know, uh, uh, and we have these and we use them all the time, but uh -huh. we're actually, that's a form of contempt. Right. Okay. So, and the reason those matter are those don't just deal with murder. <laughs> right. So they're going to bleed over into our sexuality. Right. So and, and that's, yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what we want to point out here in the murder category is what Jesus is getting at is this uh, dehumanizing of the other that then um, creates space for me to sin against them in horrendous ways, because now they're, I'm actually, they're underneath me. And that's what legitimizes my behavior towards them. Right. And that's going to bleed into that's, that's the premise for the adultery section. Go ahead. Right. Take it so, away. So do not commit adultery. And we're like, okay, so the Ten Commandments are genius. They're God's like, and most people don't even know them. But if if our society just said, oh, we're going to do those 10 things, there would be the opportunity for peace. Now, God wants us to have shalom. So yeah. flourishing in shalom. Shalom is this deep sense of well-being mm -hmm. in our hearts, in our own with ourselves, with others, with God, right? With right. our with our world, right. which is why we're stewards of the world. There's four dimensions of shalom or uh, well-being. And um, and so, uh, you know, if uh, I keep God first, first commandment, yeah. that's the beginning of everything. If yeah. I don't have idols, idols are when I put something over God and these things become idols that we're talking about here. Um, when I walk my words, which is three, I don't take God's name in vain, which is making false oaths. I keep my word. Four is keeping Sabbath and the fact that I live God out as first and I have rest. So, because think about this and think about the Sabbath as it relates to sin. Okay. Uh, this is mm -hmm. a side note, it, but it, I, I won't charge any additional money for this. <laughs> so if you're listening, though, this is why you need a Sabbath. Okay. Because stupidity gets exponentially magnified when you have no margin mm -hmm. so when you're uh when you are tired yeah and exhausted yeah your stupidity quotient goes up exponentially <laughs> and and actually uh, you, I, I so if we were to watch a soap opera or i watch you know uh certain shows on on tv i'm watching one called endeavor right now Anger and lust are almost 60, yes. two thirds to three quarters of the motivations for whatever bad thing happens. Yes, yes. And greed. So Jesus is going to deal with all these. Right. Um, but the Ten Commandments. And so you go, oh, those are the vertical commandments. So I keep Sabbath because it gives me rest and margin. And I can actually reflect on my life. When's mm -hmm. the last time you stopped for more than 20 minutes and thought, how's life? How am I doing? Mm -hmm. how, where am I at with God? And where did I just stop the whole train and just actually reflect on the wellness of my life? Mm -hmm. Most of us don't do that. We just right. stumble into one thing after another without thinking. I do right. it all the time. Right. And, 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 I'm a, old. and a side note on that, that's uh, neurologists. That's one of their condemnations, not just of social media, but of the smartphone is that when your brain gets bored, it will start to process information you've already intake that day. Uh, and when we jump on social media or on our phone, instead of giving our brain space to process reality, we just keep stuffing it with new experiences um, and, and rob ourselves of space to process and reflect on life. And that's one of the uh, social neurological condemnations of just being on our phones all the time is it steals that from us. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. And that's why we need to be countercultural. We need a right. break. Right. And so fifth commandment, honor your parents. Yeah. Not, you know, sixth commandment is don't murder. Seventh commandment is, is don't commit adultery. Eighth commandment is don't steal. Ninth commandment is don't lie. And then the 10th commandment is don't be greedy. And if those 10 things were happening, <laughs> a lot of things in our culture would immediately go away. <laughs> yeah. A lot and of problems why, solved. 
a lot of problems solved and and I, at least on the erasing the negative side yeah and but jesus is going but true righteousness and goodness comes is deeper that all is really important and good and the father gave us those to understand how to have a social contract yeah but to have a good life we have to go deeper and so he says you have heard that it was said verse 27 and you can throw this on the screen if you want matthew 5 27 you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery okay so what is adultery Adultery is uh, cheating, uh, is having sex with another person's spouse, or if I'm married, having sex with another person. Those look, that's adultery. And we're going to talk about why that's so like foundational to everything that uh, makes a society good or bad. This is it right here between murder and adultery. Even if you just took those two out, right, uh, you would get rid of 90% of society's ills. Mm -hmm. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye, now this is going to get really good. Don't miss this. Jesus said this. You need to, you need to just listen. If your right eye, so just get, put your finger under your right eye. Oh, if your boy. right eye causes you to stumble. Now I want you to get a big, a sharp spoon and gouge it out. Or a knife, just pop it right through your eyeball. <laughs> and then, then listen, listen. Oh, pluck Lord. it out and throw it away. I'm just reading the Bible. You should read your Bible. <laughs> it's way more interesting than you think. <laughs> now, look at what Jesus says next. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole bar body to be thrown into hell or Gehenna. And we'll come back to that. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, okay, meet cleaver time. Cool. You know, think about Aladdin. They're going to cut his hand off for being a thief. That's what, mm -hmm. that's what they do. If your right hand Good causes reference. you to stumble, shwunk, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. And I want to read divorce too, because we're going to yep. make a couple of comments yep. on both. Yep. Because this flows naturally from the previous yes. one. Yes. Again, remember sequences here. Yep. It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So lot there. We're not going to get into all of it. There. Lot there. But Let's go back to what is wrong with our world. So Jesus says, yeah, murder is a problem, but really the, the, uh, the heart issues that, that we need to address are anger and contempt. Okay. Yeah. And so the same thing here, he's going, look, the, the commands are all good. We should be following these commands. But he says, as dikaiosune, as people who are truly right with God, because you have the righteousness of God, gift righteousness, and your heart, you truly repented and your heart is being transformed. You know that just not to murder is, is not going to help you live a good life. Because if you right. harbor anger and con condemnation, it's going to poison you and everyone around you. Same thing with adultery. You may not have, quote unquote, had sex with another person's spouse. And we'll get all the way into it because there's gradations of where sexual sin and why that's such a big deal. But let me say this right out. There's this whole purity culture thing that's going on. And I think um, An there's attack a, on purity culture attack on purity culture. Yeah. And there's some legitimate things there because the part that's legitimate is they're attacking pharisaical uh, manifestations of purity, mm -hmm. but they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater in many instances. And so what I want to tell, say here right up front is, uh, you are a sexual being. Mm -hmm. And God made you a sexual being. Yep. Male and female. Yep. And God's call told us sex, that sexual intimacy, that gift he gave us is good. Yeah. It's good. In fact, it's so good that he has, he puts, um, uh, he puts a fireplace around this beautiful fire of sexuality to protect it. Mm -hmm. So any of the re any of the rules around sexuality are not because sex is bad. It's because sex is so good. 
but it's also very powerful. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and so if it's not in, held within the right container, that, that the goodness can be leached out of it and the power can be used for destruction. Right. So think again about uh, um, uh, my furnace. So my furnace has gas and fire and it heats my home. Right. And if you go down to my basement, you're going to say, oh, I see that furnace is protected and has all these protections around it. Because if that fire and gas ever got outside of the furnace, it could set my whole home on fire. Right. Just like a fireplace. And that's keep the fire in the fireplace is really the big theme of scripture. Hey, this fire that God gave you of sexuality was meant for good. It meant to keep you warm, meant to feed your soul, meant to be a beautiful uh, flourishing ambiance. But if you take that fire out of that fireplace and burn it other places, free it's going to flame, free the flame. <laughs> you're going to burn down your house and you're going to kill people or hurt people who yeah. live in that house. Yeah. And that's what happens. And that's, that's exactly what, happens. what happens. So the whole, but the premise is God is the one who created sex. Mm-hmm. We forget this. Like we think, Oh God hates sex. It's like, no, God could have made you an amoeba. He could have made you a starfish, which can mm-hmm. are asexual and can reproduce mm-hmm. without, they don't need male and female, but God gave us this gift of sexuality to teach us something about himself. Mm-hmm. And we won't go down that road, but it's Trinitarian. It's like, how do two become one? Mm-hmm. How do three become one? How, what is mm-hmm. this idea that God is Trinitarian, that mm-hmm. um, three persons, one being, one mm-hmm. unity. And mm-hmm. uh, we go, I don't know, that's hard to understand. Mm-hmm. But if you're in an intimate, loving, good uh, relationship, heterosexual relationship with someone you're married to, covenanted to, mm-hmm. you you understand to becoming one. Right. It's and, spiritual, it's emotional, right. it's physical. Right. And attached to this obviously is the context of marriage. And part of why that's so important, you know, is that um, you know, we and we talk about this in premarital counseling with people all the time is uh, a contract says, I'll hold up my end of the bargain if you hold up your end of the bargain. And a lot of uh Marriage as a social contract has been, um, I think, assumed into church life and the popular culture and then degraded because it's just really not uh, that important or, you know, so many people get divorced anyway. Marriage um, has been degraded, I think, in the minds of our culture very, very highly. But in the Bible, it's this covenant that says, no, I'm going to die before I break this promise. And this promise is not, I'm not betting on your behavior. I'm betting on my life that I'm going to keep this, con- this covenant. And right. um, that it's, it's, it's separate from what the other person <laughs> does or doesn't do to fulfill their end of the contract. It's, it's more than that. And um, the part of the reason that that's so important for this container of sexuality is when you become dissatisfied with your partner, you don't go look other places. You figure it out because you made a covenant. You made, and this protects the family unit, you know? And for many of us listening, our parents are divorced or cheated on one another, or, um, you know, we may have kids with multiple partners and you know the grief and intensity of that. And I don't have to explain that to you, but that's what happens when (laughs) this is violated. And you know, I know just know so many people whose parents were divorced uh, when they were kids, and there is just this feeling of death. Like this is just not the way it's supposed to be, and it's not. It's not ideal for human flourishing. And God redeems everything and can redeem anything, um, but He has a way that this works in human flourishing um, best. But again, this flows out of the adultery piece here is flowing out of um, the anger piece, and that. It begins with this, this other person is an object to satisfy me. In the anger piece, it's to satisfy my anger. And in this piece, it's to satisfy my desire. But that we, we get off course and we, we begin to light the fire in places that are destructive. Um, when we uh, begin by making somebody else a means to our end. Right. So you just shared a bunch of a, a big chunk of it, but that that's that this is part of why this is here. It's a foundation of all society and culture, how God designed it. And adultery actually is you is like um, putting a bomb 
in the foundation of your house and lighting it off. Right. Think about our culture. So our culture is lighting bombs at the foundations and we wonder why everything's coming apart. Well, the family is the first unit of society. The marriage covenant is the essential element. Children are the offspring of mm-hmm. that essential element. Mm-hmm. And when you break up marriage, you, you, you destroy, you begin to destroy the foundations of the whole culture. And as Alex, as you just said, um, I can't tell you how many kids I've talked to who are hurt, wounded, broken because of broken covenants, their parents with adultery or divorce. And um, and uh, this isn't about making people feel guilty, but it is about telling the truth mm-hmm. that we can't keep playing fast and loose with this stuff because it's just we can point to um, political parties and we, we see we're hoping political parties um, uh you know, you got uh, Republican, Democrat, Libertarians, you got Black Lives Matter, you got QAnon, you got all these kind of little uh, groups. That's the same. It's outside in righteousness. You're mm-hmm. hoping someone will save you mm-hmm. when only Jesus can save us. And you're hoping someone will fix the problems of the culture that can only be fixed in the human heart. A government mm-hmm. cannot make laws. That's So we're again, we're back to the law. A government can't make laws that will make people good. Right. Otherwise, we'd have the best country in the world. Right. And we don't. I mean, we have a great, you know, there's a lot of great things, but we're, but it was built on this understanding of inside out righteousness. So let me just say a couple of things about the adultery piece here. Uh, But I tell you, and so Jesus is saying, um, listen, uh, there's things that erode our culture and our world. And part of it is, is hedonism is this yeah. idea of my life is all about me. And yeah. so, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in uh, with her in his heart. Yeah. So let's touch on that lust. Lust is I'm going to fantasize and gratify whatever I want. And it's all about me. Yeah. It's hedonism. It's narcissism. And we're in such a narcissistic phase of culture right now it's all about me and my pleasure right lust is about what's in my desire love is about me putting the other person first and what's in their best interest it's never in their best interest to commit adultery to objectify them or to lust them and to use them lust is about using people yeah marriage sexual intimacy as god designed it is about loving people And here's the goal. And this is why this never works. It's like trying to drink salt water to slake your thirst, right? You you, lust is drinking salt water. You're always going to, you're never going to be satisfied, which is why it's like a fire. So if you said to you, you know, Hey, I got this lust and it's, I'm going to just do this thing. It's going to be fine. Right. You just throw a look at the forest fires in California. You know, the fire didn't go, you know what? I've eaten 10 trees. I'm satisfied now. Right. It's, thousands and thousands of acres and the more you let it live the more it's it's insatiable that's literally right. the word and so lust is never it's like trying to drink salt water and, and slake your thirst it won't won't work right so um really important to see that and note that but i want to point this out because some people get this mixed up too uh that word for look is not a glance he jesus is not talking about temptation or seeing someone and having some form of like your sexual desire uh, uh, aroused in some way. Those are all normal things. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus is, this word for look is the ongoing um, uh, focus. So it's not a, ga- it's not a glance. It's the gaze. It's Ooh. where I've seen this person. So David comes out on his roof. It's a hot night. He right. goes out on his roof. He sees Bathsheba taking a bath and he says, whoa. And that no sin there. He's been tempted. He wasn't trying to engage that. But when he went from a glance to a gaze, yeah, and then he brought her over, that's when the adultery happened. Right. But we sometimes make the mistake of thinking, oh my gosh, I I, uh, I caught a glance at someone. Or, oh, I was attracted to someone. I'm lusting them. That's mm-hmm. not it at all. Mm-hmm. It's when you are now focusing on that person and fantasizing about them and thinking about your own sexual gratification around them. And the second you do that, you stop seeing a person right? and you start making them an object. 
Right. And we objectify them, which is a form of, uh, again, taking them out of the image of God category and making them an object that we use to satisfy whatever desire we have. Right. And we, that's why rape and murder are violations of why do we feel so strongly about those two things? Because they are the covering over the image of God in us. Right. Right. And they dehumanizes us. Right. That's, yes. the, that's part of the point is that, so this word Jesus uses for hell here is Gehenna, which it was a trash dump where people burned their trash. They, it was garbage. They burned garbage. And part right. of what happens here is when we dehumanize somebody into an object whose sole purpose is to satisfy us, our sense of self, our desires or whatever, when we dehumanize them, that dehumanizes us. And the outcome of making other people into objects is we make ourselves into an object um, that is so dehumanized, it is to be thrown away. That hell is not um, just a consequence for bad actions or something. It is, the, it is the natural outcome for who we become through sin. Right. We become so- garbage. <laughs> <laughs> right right by by making other people by making other people into objects to be used and disposed of we become an object to be disposed of ourselves which is why part of the justice system right which is why we put people in prison for rape is because we realize you've given up a part of your humanity and ability to live with this and we're recognizing acknowledging that and then putting you in a place um, that is aside from society and, you know, we yeah. can get into the prison system and all that. And that's a whole totally different conversation. But the themes are what we're trying to help you understand, not the particulars of those things in our country. Right. And and one of the points, you know, um, Jesus is making here. And uh, if you want to look at another section of scripture, um, Mark records um, the, the uh, a similar phrasing here because jesus taught some of these messages at different times so mark 9 um jesus is talking about when we um leading people astray and in mark 9 42 he says and if uh, anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea and this has huge implications for again taking advantage of um children or again, people who are not of age. I'm really interested to see what happens since now uh, supposedly we're letting kids pick their gender mm-hmm. at six years old or eight years old. Mm-hmm. Then the question is, why can't I pick what I do with my sexuality? And we get into a whole level of, because um, right now, of course, we have statutory rape. But you know, in a world where you just go, everything's legal, um, it'll be interesting to see. But it's talking about this idea that we are taking advantage or leading little ones who were called to teach and care for and protect astray. And then Jesus says this, he goes, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where, now this is really important, it's an elaboration on the Gehenna theme, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. And um, and so <clears throat> Mark is using a slightly different uh, telling. Peter, Mark, Peter are, are using a slightly different use of this because obviously jesus used this and there's two ways that this is used the eye is sinful desire so are we cultivating sinful desires jesus is not saying you know i want you to be a one-eyed jack you know or uh you know a one-armed bandit or whatever you know like where you just start cutting off body parts that's not his point um but um the eye represents desire so uh, and when I cultivate sinful desires, they just, the, the fire burns stronger, not smaller. I'm feeding right. that. Right. And then the hand or the foot represents sinful behavior. 
So he's saying you have these sinful desires and sinful behaviors, and they're connected to each other. And, um, and this is the point that I want to make about Gehenna, because I think he elaborates on it here, is sin always leads, this, this not following God's purposes and plans for our flourishing always leads to separation from God. Yeah. And that separation causes intense suffering in this life and in the next. Yeah. That's what hell is. This separation that leads to suffering mm -hmm. in our, in our lives. And, um, and it, if we don't deal with it, we will have intense suffering in this life. And, and then we just perpetuate that uh, because God right. allows people to choose right. separation. We, we, create, we create a hell on earth and then embody <clears throat> that in the next life. Yeah. You know, so can we go back to the other passage? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think that's um, you see uh, an elaboration there that I think is an important piece. And you have that fire imagery again. Yeah. And fire is insatiable. That's why people go, I'm just going to do it this once. That's exactly what never happens. <laughs> because uh because you've now you're you're feeding that fire and when you feed the fire it grows and so let's come back to as we kind of wrap up here um i want to make a couple points the first thing is this so let's come back to the goal god's goal and your longing in your heart is for intimacy mm -hmm. this deep sense of being known knowing and being known loving and being loved where you have this exclusive relationship with somebody because we're finite beings. And so this covenant is required for us to cultivate intimacy in the way God intended. And this family, this marriage is sacred. And this yeah. family is a sacred unit. And your job and my job is to do everything we can to protect it. And so we, in, in our goal, in our to love well, to love our spouse well, to love God well, we are willing to make sacrifices mm -hmm. to protect that intimacy. Yeah. And here's where anger and contempt circle back into the formula, because one of the reasons why people don't find that satisfaction in their marriage is they allow anger that is unresolved to turn into contempt and right. disdain for their right. partner. Right. And so even their intimacy is not, poisoned. It, it's poison. And which makes you actually not want to actually be with that person. Cause if you right. don't feel known, loved, respected, and desired, you're going to look elsewhere, which right. is often the rat justification people use for adultery. Right. And God's in, and the, you, so that's why anger and condemnation bleed over into this because a lot of marriages are unsatisfying because we haven't had a disagreements and anger and, resolve those and reconcile those and come back together with forgiveness and love and respect. Instead, we have lust and disdain mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. contempt. And that leads to separation. Even if we keep the marriage intact legally, it leads to separation spiritually and emotionally, which leads to dissatisfaction and a lack of intimacy in our homes. And that's the saddest thing in the world to God, mm -hmm. which is why divorce is again, another fruit of that same element. But I just wanted to point that it pulls back to anger and contempt don't, you know, bleed over into this. And that's right. why marriages are unfulfilling. Right, right. It, it all builds on itself. And it's all connected to that righteousness that comes from the inside out that God has to transform my heart through a gift that is a separate from what I can generate within myself. And um, then that it creates a domino effect that changes the way I have relationship with God. And then that changes the way I have relationship with myself. And then that changes the way I have relationship with people who are not me. And it, ha it changes the way I see myself in the world. If I see myself as the center of the world, um, then I make people into objects whose job is to revolve around me. And if I see myself as part of a world that revolves around God, um, then I treat people with the dignity that he made them to have. And it creates right. a, a society that flourishes where people's needs are met in a true sense, not in a quick sense that never satisfies. Yeah. And let me, so, so let me hit two more things here. Yeah. One is um, 
when we understand that our transformation comes from the inside out and our behavior does is often overflow of the sin inside us that we want to see um, completely, uh, we want to completely be removed from the power of that sin. We also understand our spouses the same way and right. they want to, that, but what they do and who they are um, are not always aligned. So they're always in, made in the image of God, deserving of respect and love, even though they might do things that hurt us mm-hmm. and, um, and that uh, need to be remedied because we understand that we're made in the image of God and we do things that hurt them, which is why, again, and I won't elaborate on this, but Kate will, if you go back to, hey, you're at the altar, you're in church. Yeah. And you realize someone, your spouse has something against you. Don't put your offering down and go get right with your, that person. And if we did that in our marriages, then we wouldn't have divorce. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, that's really the, yeah. And part of what Jesus is pushing on there is um, you can, he is not allowing a spirituality that ignores separation from people uh, and then thinks I can have intimacy with God while I have broken relationships with people. Obviously, insofar as it depends on us and Kate, we'll talk about that a little bit right. on Sunday. So, right. Well, thank you. Well, let me for... just say, I want to say one more thing there. Go ahead. Go I, ahead. I said we wouldn't have divorce, but I'm saying that is if every if everybody's in that same posture. Right, 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 obviously, right. someone can be unfaithful, and then that's where there's permission for this because you can't force someone to live that way. But if people all live this way, mm-hmm. uh, we would find a way to find shalom well-being and flourishing which is god's desire and intimacy spiritually emotionally physically which is part of the sexual identity he gave us right yep well if you have any questions things you want us to expound on more or you need help that maybe you're addicted to pornography or you're in um, a habitual sexual sin of some kind that you know doesn't satisfy you and you have tasted the poison fruit of and know is not um, making you more, it's making you less. Uh, reach out to us. We want to walk alongside of you. You can reach out to us um, via a comment on YouTube. You can message us on our website at the contact email. Email us directly at contact at lifechurchlivonia.org. Um, but this is a big deal. It's important. And we're here for you. You're not alone going through this. And so thank you for joining us on Tell Me More today. And we will see you guys this Sunday and next Thursday.